And as we're declaring that to the Lord, let's just do a quick double check of our heart. Let's say, is that really where I'm building my life? Do we build our life upon his love? Do we build our life upon his presence? Or when you really get down to the core foundation, you find we're just a lot more of ourselves. Or something else that we're putting all of our trust and our hope in. And maybe, maybe today we realize those are infirm foundations. But the Lord is good, he is gracious, he is loving and invites us yet again to build our life upon him. And so this morning, Lord, it's just we have chosen to be here for worship, to come and give you our praise and our, and our attention. Father, thank you for the grace that is new every morning to us, the forgiveness that you constantly provide. And Father, what we need today is we need your help to know how to build our lives on you, to, to know what that looks like, to know how to do that. But Father, just to be reminded again that you're not just asking us to do it on your own. You're going to be helping us every step of the way. But Lord, wherever we have put our feet, that it is not solid ground, the, 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 the sinking sand of ourselves, the sinking sand of this world, the sinking sand of just money or power or prestige or influence or comfort or whatever it might be. Lord, we choose today to, to set our feet upon you. Because you were steadfast, you were secure, you never change. And Father, we're so grateful for the firm foundation that you are. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the confidence we have in building our life on you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks, Rebecca. Hey, as you guys are having a seat, you are going to find offering baskets over on to the left of your uh, aisle. If you want to go ahead and pass those down. Uh, we're going to continue to worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings. Um, if you are a guest today, uh, please don't feel obligated to give. We're glad that you're here, but this is an opportunity for us uh, as members of Double Oak uh, to pour back into what the Lord has been giving to us. Thank you, William. I appreciate that. Uh, but we are glad that you're here today, and welcome. If it is your first time here, we're glad that you're joining us uh, on a 4th uh, of July weekend. Uh, hey, if you've been with us over the course of the summer, you know that we've had the opportunity to pray for a lot of different things. Uh, we have had two very successful mission trips already to Choctaw uh, and to Romania. Uh, we've had two successful camps that have gone out. Our students have gone out to camp. Our kids are finishing up camp as we speak. Uh, and they'll be coming at the uh, end of today. They'll be here back by noon uh, today. But talked to Sandy yesterday and heard some of the amazing things that are going on at kids camp uh, right now. But we have one last mission trip to commission as we send out today. Uh, and that is our mission trip to Incident. Uh, this is probably our largest mission trip that we send out. We've got names of all of our folks who are going to be going there. Uh, and we want to have the opportunity this morning to pray for all of you if you're a part of the trip. And so if you are heading out to Ensenada and you're one of these folks, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and come on down if you would. Uh, let's just go ahead and gather right over here. So come on down uh, if you will. I know I saw a bunch of you beforehand. So uh, I know we got some. There we go. Come on over here. Just gather up uh, if you will. I know we'll have some second service and some uh, uh, might not be here this morning. But uh, look, as you're watching all these names, uh, roll across the screen as you see all of these faces up here. 
look, you, a lot of you guys have been going to Ensenada for years and years. This is uh, one of our longest tenured mission trips. Uh, we've seen such amazing impact over the years. And man, uh, if you've been here a while, you've seen these folks say hey, they go every year. They said, hey, this is my spot. This is where the Lord uses me. Uh, and I am so excited we get to continue that this year with this particular team to do something unique that's never been done this year. And so we want to take the opportunity, just like we have all the, those other camps, to pray over them, uh, to remember them, to send them out with the Lord's blessing. And I hope that you'll be praying not just today, but you'll be praying all the uh, next week. We leave that on Saturday next week, right? Uh, and so they will be gone by the time we have worship next week. So next Saturday they'll start. But as we're thinking about it, man, let's be praying for them for all that the Lord is going to be doing there. They'll be building houses. They'll be interacting with the owners there. They'll be interacting with different people there. They've been building relationships with. Uh, we got a lot to do through this team. And so let's just get, take a moment to pray for them. So bow your heads if you would, if you will. And even right now, like we've done with other trips before, maybe you get a couple of these faces in mind, these names in mind, maybe people that you know. And Lord, even right now, we want to lift up our brothers and sisters to you. You have called them to go and to serve you in Ensenada yet again. And Lord, we have an opportunity to partner with Yugo Ministries and all of our brothers and sisters there in the work that they do year-round, Father, and impacting that entire area for your namesake and for your kingdom. Father, to, to build houses for people who would never have a house like this, to literally change lives. But Father, even more than we build physical houses, Lord, you're continuing to build a spiritual house, your kingdom, in the hearts and the lives of everyone there, and also in our lives, Lord, as you send us there. And so, Lord, we pray a blessing over everyone who's about to go on this trip. Even this week as they prepare, God, keep them safe, keep them well as they, they get ready to go on this trip. We pray for their travel. Uh, Lord, we pray for their safety. God, we pray for all of the different people and the families that are involved. Lord, just, just, just surround them, protect them, like pave the way in front of them as they go. Lord, and as they enter the, the field in Ensenada, Lord, I, I pray that you would be the one to do through them more than they could ever do on their own. Lord, even for veterans who know exactly what to do when they get there, Father, I pray you'd surprise them. Surprise them with more opportunity, more ways that you're going to move through them. Move through them in powerful ways you never have before. Lord, I pray for all of our mission trip members, Lord, that they would see you moving through them. And Lord, as we see that happen, Lord, we will give you all the praise and the glory. For Father, we pray for salvations. Uh, Lord, we pray for, for impact. We pray for your name to be lifted up and for others to be drawn unto you. If not for the first time, Lord, into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, we cannot wait to hear the stories of what you are going to do through this particular team this year. And so we ask a blessing upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's send those guys out. I'm like, hey, we're excited y'all are going. Hey, uh, grab your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 2 today. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 uh, is where we'll be today. We're starting a brand new sermon series uh, in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. Proverbs is in the middle of your Bible, by the way. If you've got a Bible, flop it open. You'll probably find yourself in Psalms. You want to go one book to the right, and you'll find the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 is where we'll be in a minute. 
Uh, if you're new to Double Oak, this is something we actually do almost every year. Typically in the summers, we go back to the Old Testament. And systematically, we've been walking through different parts of that literally for more than a decade. We're a little bit late this summer, uh, but we're going to be spending the rest of the summer walking through the entire book of Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 is where we'll be in just a moment. As you're finding your place there, we're going to be tackling uh, one of the most important questions of all of life over the course of this series. It is a question that everyone asks. In fact, you'll probably ask it multiple times in your life, and it's an important question because it will impact the totality of your life. The question is this, what should I do? You ever asked that question before? What should I do? You have probably asked that question this week. How many of you asked it this week? Anybody asked that question this week? How many of you asked it this morning, right? Oh, good. Should I go to church? Right? You asked that question. Should I, what should I do, right? Should I sleep in? Should I go to first service? Should I go to second? What am I going to do? We ask this question all throughout our life, and it has a massive impact on how our lives turn out. Now look, sometimes that is an easy question. What should I do? The Bible actually gives us a lot of very clear direction on things. All right, what should I do? Well, we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What else? I should love my neighbor as myself. Should I actually hurt my enemy or help my enemy? Well, I should help my enemy. All right? We love our enemies, right? We got a lot of different places in Scripture where it gives us some very specific things, some, some things to do. But there are hundreds of other instances, if not thousands, where the answer just isn't that easy. We say, what should I do? You ask yourself, okay, when should you start dating? Well, that's an open question. When do, should you start dating? Is that, is that 12? Is that 14? Is that 16? Is that 40? When should you start dating? Uh, then you've got other questions. Where should I go to college? A bunch of our students have been trying to figure that out over the past year. You as a parent might be trying to figure that out. Where should my student go to college? That's an open question. There's no simple answer in the Bible. Who am I supposed to marry? Should I marry this person? Should I marry this person? Should I keep dating this person? Should I break up with this person? I have a business opportunity. Should I take this opportunity? Should I not take this opportunity? I have job opportunity. Should I take this job or should I take that job? Should I leave my job? Should we move? Should we stay? Where should we go? What should I do? And these are not small questions. They are huge questions. They, they, they affect our entirety of our lives. Should I talk to this person, talk to that person? Should I help this person? Should I help that person? Should I, should I do this in this situation? Should I do that in that situation? Should I get into an unlicensed and untested submersible and go 12,000 feet and paying an unseen amount of money to see something I could easily see on video? These are huge questions that will impact your life. It will change it too soon. All right, so... Uh, look, I mean, you, you got to figure that out. They're big questions. And the trick is, the Bible doesn't give you an easy answer on that. So what do you do? I know that the Bible has answers to me, but what, but what do I do when there's no specific answer for me in the Bible? And that's where the book of Proverbs comes in. Uh, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It helps us make wise choices in life. When you don't have an as explicit command in Scripture, how am I supposed to navigate all of the different areas of life, all the different challenges of life? Well, the Bible gives us spiritual wisdom. And that's what we're going to look at here. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And hear what it says to me. It says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, 
making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. We'll stop right there. The beginning with the book of Proverbs, we get this, this, um, uh, this uh, admonition and imploring from parents who say, if you will listen to my advice, if you will listen to what I say, this will lead you into wisdom. Uh, but what does that mean? What do we mean when we say wisdom? What are we talking about when we say wisdom? Because wisdom is different from knowledge or even understanding. What do we mean when we talk about wisdom? Well, wisdom is practical understanding for navigating life. Wisdom is practical understanding for navigating life. Uh, wisdom is not just bare information. It is not intelligence, right? We could call that book smarts, that where you can, you can maybe understand a really difficult equation. That, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is not intelligence. Wisdom is the ability to know how to navigate the world as it actually is. Think street smart. Uh, in fact, think about the wisest person that you know. That person might not be the smartest person that you know, but they might be the wisest person you know. They understand the deep things, how things actually work, how people actually react, how the world actually functions. Even if they say it's one way, they look a little bit deeper and see how things actually work, and therefore they are able to navigate the world better. It is a deep, practical understanding where we look underneath the surface and we see what is really going on and if you want to live your life well if you want to find all of the things that were just outlined here in verses 1 through 11 we all only find that through the wisdom of the Lord now wisdom is not very prized in our culture it used to be prized by almost every culture the idea that you would gain wisdom it was the thing that everybody looked for our culture is a little bit different our culture does not prize wisdom our culture prizes information we swim in information, and there's a false idea that if you just have more information, you will be smarter. If you have more information, you will be wiser. And that's a little bit true, but it's not completely true. Uh, we just have a lot of information at our disposal. I mean, think about it, and think of really, instead of really understanding life, most of all, we do something different. Think about the last time you were at a dinner, uh, you were out with friends, you were with your spouse, you were with somebody, and a question came up that you did not know the answer to. When did that movie come out? What really happened in that situation? Who starred in that movie? If none of you knows the answer, what are you going to do? You Google it. That's exactly what you did, right? You didn't even think about it. it zoop, boop, 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 and then there it was. It's a weird thing that you and I have this compendium of world knowledge at our fingertips. Even if you don't remember it yourself, you don't mind because you know with just a couple of taps on your phone, you can get the answer. You and I have access to more information than any generation in human history. That is not hyperbole. 
That is absolutely the case. You and I have access momentarily to more information than any generation in all of human history. We're swimming in it. We drink it in by a fire hose of content that is constantly given to us through our social media feeds, through, through media, through, through the world, through, through all these different avenues. We swim in all this information. But just because we have all this information, it doesn't actually mean then that we are wise. Look at the stupidity of our culture. Look at the stupidity of our world. Look at the stupidity of some of our leaders. Hey, just because we have a ton of information doesn't actually make us wise. You might be smart, you might be informed, you might be knowledgeable, but you aren't actually wise. If you want to know the true ways of life, we don't get this through information. You find this through the wisdom of the Lord. But wisdom is hard. Wisdom takes time. Uh, wisdom, Wisdom takes reflection. And these are also things that our culture does not value, and so we search for shortcuts. When it comes to navigating life, we like to move fast and break things, and so we want a quick answer. And so instead of waiting for wisdom, instead of mining this, the word for wisdom, we sometimes will default to two false paths uh, towards wisdom. The first path is this, where we say, hey, just tell me the rules. Just tell me the rules. Dude, if you just tell me the rules, I'll be, get through life. Just tell me what's right, tell me what's wrong, and that's all I need. Just tell me the rules, and I got it. And that sounds kind of holy, right? I mean, I want to know the rules, right? So God, tell me the rules, and, and as long as I know the rules, I will make all the right choices. And, and that's great to a point, but what do you do with all these questions that don't have biblical answers? This was the fault of the Pharisees, by the way. Uh, Jesus always got in trouble with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were actually God-fearers. They loved the Lord. They were trying to follow him, and they had God's commands, uh, but they just didn't go far enough. Take a command like this. uh, Don't work on the Sabbath. It's biblical. It's Ten Commandments. Don't work on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees said, hey, don't work on the Sabbath, until other people said, yeah, okay, well, then what does that mean? What is work? How, How do you define that? Right? Can I carry something? Can I go see a, a, a friend? Can I, can I cook? I got to cook for my family. You still got to eat. Is that work? Can I actually do that? I mean, can I go visit somebody or is that considered work? Can I carry something? And so the Pharisees, instead of looking for wisdom, just decided to make more rules. They said, okay, great. Well, then we'll make rules for all of that. And they said, you can only work, walk so many paces on the Sabbath. Any farther than that is work. You can only carry something of a certain weight on the Sabbath. Beyond that, that would be work. You can do this, but you cannot do that. And they got just down into the depths of all these little things. But even then, the rules didn't work out because they would conflict and contradict. And this is what Jesus rolled his eyes at when he came here. He says, you guys have missed the point. You can't actually make enough rules to cover every situation. You can't actually come up with a rule for every single thing that's going to happen in your life. Just looking for the rules doesn't actually lead you to the fullness of wisdom in every single situation. So we say something else. We say, okay, Adam, I find just don't tell me the rules. I just need God to tell me. I'll just pray about it, and the Lord will tell me. I'll just pray, and the Lord will tell me. That sounds very spiritual. Sounds like something we should do, right? And look, sometimes when we pray, the Lord will tell you exactly what to do. Sometimes but not usually. He doesn't do that with me. I I don't know what your prayer life is like, but when I wake up in the morning, the Lord's like, all right, Adam, I've got 43 things to tell you today. And just kind of walks through and tells me to call this person, then do that, and then you got to do this and don't do that. He doesn't tell me that. If your quiet time's like that, I would like to know. I really would. 
Now, sometimes he has told me, I mean, very clearly what to do. He speaks, but usually he's not going to tell you specifically everything you're going to do. So we start resorting to tea leaves, right? We turn into fortune tellers. We're like going, mm, I got a feeling. Mm, mm, I got a piece about it. I don't have a piece about it. I don't have, mmm. We're literally, instead of looking to the word, we're like going, I, I heard a dog bark. The Lord's told me, right? I've heard people, I've heard you tell me that, right? I, just, I opened up my Bible and it told me something, right? You just, we're, we're just making up games to try to think, what is the Lord actually telling me? But here's the deal. The Lord doesn't actually want to tell you every specific thing you're supposed to do. Does that sound weird? Well, let's back up a little bit. Uh, we got our kids in the room. Uh, so kids, welcome. I see some of you guys here. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, our kids are typically up on the second floor uh, hanging out with Mr. James, but they're taking a break this summer. So our kids are going to be here with us over the course of this series. And we love having our kids in worship with us. Uh, kids, if you're here, uh, let me tell you a secret. All right? Here's a secret you need to know. Uh, your parents don't actually want to tell you what to do all the time. They don't. Your parents don't actually want to tell you what to do all the time. Now, the kids are looking at me going, uh-uh, that guy has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Adam, that's all my parents do. All my parents do is tell me what to do. They tell me I got to go to bed. They tell me I got to eat my vegetables. They tell me I can't have five helpings of candy. They tell me I can't do that. They tell me I can't hit my sister, but she deserved it. They, can't, they tell me all the time what I can't do. All my parents do is tell me what I cannot do. That's their job, Right? Well, for now, yeah, kind of. Uh, but kids, your parents don't really want to do that. Like, they don't want to tell you what to do all the time. You know what your parents would love? Your parents would love it if you actually just did those things on your own. Like, like you actually did the same things that they would want you to do. Your parents would love it if you would actually do the things that, that they would do. And that's what they're trying to teach you. That's what they're trying to help you do. And that's what they're trying to help you to learn, but they don't actually want to tell you what to do in every single instance. Hey, adults, can I tell you a secret? God doesn't want to tell you what to do all the time. He will, and he does a lot, but you know what his goal is? His goal isn't to simply give you information and give you commands on every single thing. Do you know what his desire is? His desire is that you and I would actually grow up to do what he would want us to do. That we would see things the way he sees them. That we would want things the way he wants them. And we wouldn't even need to ask because our hearts are so aligned. We would actually begin to do what he wants us to do because we love him. And I want to actually show you this in scripture. Let me show you some passages from the New Testament. This is Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Look what it says. Paul's writing and he says, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now I may mention this before, but if I were writing this, that's not how I would have written it. Because there's a much easier and, and I'm, in my opinion, much better way to write this, right? Look, and so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and tell you what to do. Isn't that better? That is simpler. That is easier to understand. It is clearer if the Lord just tells us what to do. But that's not what Paul prays. He's not interested in simply this one act. He says, no, I want you to have more. I want you to have spiritual wisdom and understanding that would guide you in all of your decisions. Let me show you another one. Here's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern 
What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Again, do you see what Paul's doing? He's not just saying, hey, read it and do what it says. No, he, you need to discern this. And you may have to test it. You may have to try it out. you got to learn so that you can be able to understand and discern what is going on. Let me show you another one. Here's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who, who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is what mature people do. They don't simply listen to the rules. They actually understand why they should do something, what the Lord is after, what he is doing, and then follow suit. Over time, they have practiced, they have trained, they have begun to understand what is happening. They are getting wisdom. This is what God wants to give to us, and this is what the book of Proverbs trains us in. It helps us to learn wisdom. How do we practically navigate life? But there's more there. How do we understand what is really going on? And so this journey that we're going to go on for the next six weeks, hopefully is going to help us to grow, not just in our knowledge, but in our understanding, in our wisdom of the Lord. And so let's look at this book before we even jump in. We're kind of opening up the book this week. But what are we looking at when we're looking at the book of Proverbs? Uh, well, the book of Proverbs uh, is a very specific type of book uh, that gives us a lot of practical information on a lot of topics. If you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to get wisdom on money matters, on business matters, on how to deal with difficult people, on parenting issues, on money management uh, on how to deal with, 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 with difficult situations, with different people, uh, larger issues of just kind of like government and, and, and ruling and helping or managing. There's all kinds of practical topics that are addressed by Proverbs. But the book of Proverbs is a very particular type of book uh, because it exists in a genre called wisdom literature. Now, here will be a good time to remind all of us that the Bible is not simply one single book. The Lord has orchestrated it and put it together. And yes, there is one defining story that unites it together. But the Bible is a collection of 66 different books. And some of those books are similar, but some of them are very different. They are different genres. And understanding the genre of the book that you're reading is incredibly important for understanding what it says. If you're reading a letter to, like Paul wrote, like the ones we just read, well, these are very factual, right? They're very straightforward. It's like an email, right? It's very plain spoken. But if you're in the Psalms, we understand that that's poetry. They are songs. And just like today, if you hear a song on the radio and you hear a lyric, you don't take that literally. You understand that it's going to be hyperbolic. It's going to be grandiose. It's going to be using flowery language, sometimes harsh or difficult language. Why? Because it's, it's trying to evoke a mood or a point or, or paint a, a picture. But we don't take it literally because it's poetry. Wisdom literature is actually a, a, even a different form here. It is poetic. Uh, it is saying things in a poetic language, uh, but it is meant to give us wisdom. Uh, wisdom literature is actually a genre everybody would have known back in the day. Uh, Israelites were not the only ones to write things like this. The Egyptians wrote things like this. Other cultures wrote things like this where they would gather together words of wisdom in a book. Uh, and so people of the day would have instantly recognized uh, just what was going on here. Uh, we have other wisdom books, by the way, in Scripture. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Job. These are books of wisdom literature. 
You typically find them all grouped here in the scriptures, but the, their goal is to tell you the deep things of life, to wrestle with the deeper questions of life, to help us understand what is really going on. You might say, okay, well, who wrote it? Well, the majority of the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon. That's what it tells us right there at the beginning, but he is not the only author of the book of Proverbs. As you get towards the end, you'll find different authors. There's a guy named Augur. There's a guy named King Lemuel. We don't really know who he is. Uh, the men of Hezekiah gather together some other, uh, uh, some other uh, Proverbs. Most of them are from Solomon, but some of them probably weren't. And so you've got multiple authors here that's all kind of been cobbled together. Uh, and, and when you look at the book, it's in two different sections. The first nine chapters, you get these long discourses, kind of like what we just read. You get these long speeches that tell us about a subject. But once you start in chapter 10 through the rest of the book, you get what most of us associate with Proverbs, these little two-line phrases, these little two-line uh, couplets that tell us something important, that give us wisdom. And, and they're seemingly at random, they're just all kind of mashed together for over 20 chapters. Uh, but specifically, there's a context. When you're reading the book of Proverbs, uh, especially the front half of the book, this was most likely uh, a book of wisdom that was used in a boy's school. Uh, this would have been a manual that would have been used in a school to help young men as they were training to grow up in godliness, to grow up for service, uh, specifically in government. Uh, this would be a, a manual that would be used to help young men grow uh, in their learning. Now, ladies, don't be offended by that. Uh, that does not mean that only men can learn from this. In fact, if you look at the very first few verses of the book, this call goes out to everybody. To anybody who wants wisdom, to anybody who is simple, to anybody who wants this, this is what it's given for. It's given for you. And furthermore, just its inclusion here in Scripture lets us know that this is for all people in all places and all times. But it's still important uh, to understand the original context. In fact, if you look at chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My son, if you receive my words. You'll see that in multiple places. That was the original context in which this was written. Uh, but here's the most important thing you need to understand about the book of Proverbs. If you're going to understand the book of Proverbs, we need to understand this. And this is one of the essences of wisdom. Proverbs is going to give you general truth, but these are not promises. The book of Proverbs gives you general truth, but these are not promises. Other places in Scripture, when you read it, you say, Adam, this is God's Word. I can take this for 100% for fact. If that's what it says, that's what it means, and that's what it's going to be. And in a lot of places in Scripture, that's exactly the case. And when you're looking at wisdom literature, this is written in a very particular way to say, listen, I'm going to show you generally how the world works. I'm going to show you generally how things work out. But that is not going to be 100% accurate. There are going to be exceptions to that. But if you want to understand how the world works, it's not random. It's not just 50-50. The world's, you can find wisdom through this book, but it's not going to be 100% the case all the time. Let me show you how that works out. So let's look at a couple of Proverbs right here. Uh, here's Proverbs chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Look what it says. It says, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the cravings of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. All right, let's look at this for a second. All right, so the Lord is telling us something important here. This is wisdom, okay? The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. He thwarts the craving of the wicked. Then the next one, a slack hand causes poverty, okay? But the hand of the diligent makes rich. So he's giving us a, kind of a deep truth. Those who are diligent in their work don't have to worry about hunger. 
If you're a hard worker, you may have other problems in life, but hunger is not going to be one of them. Why? Because you're a hard worker. That's going to usually lead to riches. It's going to lead to blessings. It's going to lead to just resources in your life. Why? Because you're a hard worker. That leads to resources. And so guess what? He's not going to let the righteous go hungry. Right? But if the, the wicked, the, those who are, uh, have a slack hand, well, that's going to lead to poverty. All right, so he's showing us wisdom. If you want to be wise, then don't have a slack hand. You need to be somebody who is diligent in their work, okay? Somebody who actually goes out and does all the things that God tells us to do. But now let's look at another proverb. This is Proverbs 13, verse 23. It says this, The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. Well, wait a minute, that's saying something different. Because here, the poor are not depicted as lazy. Uh, it is not said here that they have a slack hand. They are not un unrighteous. They're not wicked. It says, no, the reason that they don't have food is because the food that they would have through their own fields is swept away through injustice. Well, wait a minute, I thought the righteous never go hungry. I thought the righteous always have blessings and riches bestowed upon them. Well, generally that is true, but it's also sometimes true that there's injustice in the world. We live in a broken world, a fallen world, and sometimes it doesn't work out that way. It's different. Understanding and reading all of these and seeing what's going on underneath, okay, this helps us understand true wisdom. You can't just land on one side or the other. It's both. You see, if, if, you're, if you're foolish, and we'll read all about the fool throughout this, we will just land on one side or the other. You might just want to land on the first set of scriptures, because guess what? That's America, by the way. We're celebrating the 4th of July and the birth of our, our great nation, the celebration of the, all the freedoms that you and I enjoy. We say, Adam, America has done so much to bring people out of poverty, to give everybody an opportunity. It's a look, if you work hard, you can have blessings. You can take yourself from one position to another. That is the American dream, and it absolutely can work, and it has. We have seen through America and through a lot of things that the, the Lord has done through this country, amazing, millions of people have moved out of poverty into a different situation. It is absolutely the case that if you take these opportunities and you are diligent in your work and you are hardworking, that it is going to lead to blessings. That is absolutely the case. It is also absolutely the case that sometimes people work really hard, but because of the situation they find themselves in or the injustice that's around them, it doesn't work out for them. And it's both. It's both. See, we want to we side on one side or the other. We got half our country over here, and we got half our country over here saying, nope, here, here's the deal. If you're, if you're poor, you're lazy. That's just the thing. If you're poor, it's your own fault. If you're poor, that's got to be, it's just your own fault. And other people on the other side going, nope, the only reason I'm home fault is the system. I'm oppressed. I'm a victim. I need to be given everything. I, I, everything's been taken away from me. None of it's my fault. And both of those things are untrue. It's a little bit of both. Guess what? There is oppression in this world. There is injustice in this world. And absolutely, when you and I work hard and we put our hands to what God has given us, God says, I will not let the righteous go hungry. But it's a little bit more complex than just saying one or just saying the other. That's the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. It forces us to look deep. It forces us to see what's really going on and to understand the complexity of the things that are happening around us. 
See, there's a lot more. You might read it and go, oh, I've, just, I've read it before. There's a lot of depth underneath the service. Let me show you to it another way. Uh, here's uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. All right, now these are two Proverbs that come right next to each other in the Scriptures. Check this out. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. You see it? You see the problem? You see the thing going up? Read it again. You see it? That doesn't work. Did you see what the Bible just said? Two verses next to each other. One says, don't answer a fool. The other one says, answer a fool. Which one is it? What am I supposed to do with that? Now look, if we're really arrogant, we might look back and go, man, those guys were just dumb. They didn't realize. They put those things right next to each other. They had no idea. That makes no sense. Those silly old people. I can't believe they did that. Let's not bring our anachronistic snobbery back into this, right? As if people back in old ages were not as smart as we are. I honestly think that people in earlier ages were a lot smarter than we are. They had a lot less technology. They were incredibly smart. Don't underestimate it. And this is a book of wisdom. Remember, it, it, it's being put together on purpose for wisdom. The writers absolutely know what they're doing here. Why would they put two verses that are diametrically opposed next to each other? Because sometimes it's the one and sometimes it's the other. Sometimes you don't need to talk to a fool. You know why? They ain't going to listen. How many of you don't know somebody like that? Who knows somebody like that? Don't point. That's rude. All right? You can't talk to that person. They ain't going to listen to you. You're trying to tell them what it is. They're not going to listen. Man, that's a fool. They're not going to listen to you. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. That's you're going to end up being like him yourself. But sometimes you say, but you got to answer a fool because otherwise they're going to walk into destruction. You at least got to warn them. Sometimes they will have ears to hear. Sometimes the, the, they will actually listen. And so it's not always the first and it's not always the second. You got to have wisdom to know the difference. It takes wisdom to know, well, in this situation, I need to follow this verse. And in this situation, I need to follow that verse. Because everybody's not the same. And every situation is not the same. And the only way I can understand those two verses is when I recognize I need wisdom from the Lord to navigate this situation and to know which is which. It's important. That leads us probably to the most abused proverb in all of the book. And it's one we, we absolutely need to talk about uh, here. Many of you might already know this one. Here's Proverbs uh, uh, 22, verse 6. It says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you have heard this one before? Yeah, most of us. I, I've heard this all my life too. Now, now look, this is generally true. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, that's just generally true. People who did not grow up in church and were not trained in righteousness typically don't walk in righteousness. Now, sometimes they do. There's some of you here in the room. You did not grow up in church. You did not grow up knowing the Lord. And praise be to God, he sent somebody to tell you the gospel. And though you weren't trained up in it, you have come to faith in Christ. And you are growing in Christ. And you are walking in Christ. And praise the Lord for that. But generally, people who aren't trained in it don't walk in righteousness. And how would a kid who's not trained in righteousness know what to do? So it's generally true. Those who are trained in righteousness, when they're old, they are, will not depart from it. So the wisdom says you should train up a child in the way that they should go. You should train them in righteousness. But there's way too many people in this congregation, I've talked to so many of you over the years, who have found pain in this passage because you say, Adam, I got a child who doesn't follow the Lord. 
And I got a kid who's wayward. And I got a kid who, who I trained him, I brought him to church, I told him everything, and they don't believe in Jesus. And look, if this is a promise, that's a problem. Because you're looking at, and if you're looking at the logic and say, okay, well then if my child doesn't walk in it when, when he's old, he doesn't follow after the Lord, then I guess that means that I didn't train him up in the way that they should go. And you get all this condemnation that you heap upon yourself because you think like you failed. Because you're taking this like a promise, but it's not. It's just general truth. That may be the case. Look, if you didn't train up your child at all to walk in godliness, please don't be surprised when they don't walk in godliness. I'll just let them figure it out. Well, then don't be surprised when they don't go to church after they leave college. Just don't. That's wisdom. You should understand that. But there's all kinds of reasons why your child may or may not walk with the Lord, and it doesn't have to mean, well, I didn't do it right. I didn't train up the child. I know many of you, and I watched how many of you raised your children. And look, this is wisdom. It gives us general truth. It shows us how we should live, but it doesn't give us a promise that is absolutely true 100% of the time. Instead, it's showing us biblical wisdom, how to navigate the realities of life. Which might say, well, then I don't know why we're reading this book. Adam, if it's not actually going to work every time, then why study it? If it's not actually going to work all the time, how can I have faith in it? How can I have confidence in it? Because the way of wisdom leads to life. The way of wisdom leads us to the knowledge of the Lord. The way of wisdom points us back to the one who made us and who made everything. The way of biblical wisdom leads us to the realities and the fullness of life as God intended it to be. We're still in a broken world. Things will still go wrong. But if you want to find life, we will find more of it when we walk in wisdom. In fact, in chapter 8, and we'll look at this in a couple weeks. In chapter 8, wisdom is personified as a woman. It's the woman wisdom calling out in the streets. There's another woman, Folly, who is also calling, but, but wisdom is personified as a, a woman calling out to say, hey, listen, uh, come to me and I will show you life. I will show you the paths of life. And look what it says here in Proverbs chapter 8, starting in verse 32. The woman wisdom says, and now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and don't neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. It is quite literally a life or death question whether we will seek after wisdom or not whether we will live in a wise way or not. And this is why the Lord has given us the book of Proverbs. But the Lord has also given us something greater than the book of Proverbs. In chapter 8, we see the personification of wisdom. But if you want to see the full personification of wisdom, we already have that in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you want to see the essence of a wise life? You want to see a life lived perfectly? Then we look to the life of Jesus Christ who comes and, and shows us how to live. He teaches, but he also shows us how to live. And as we listen to him and as we follow him, we can find true wisdom. But we find even more than that. For fools like us who have made all kinds of mistakes, who haven't walked in wisdom, who have done the foolish thing, who have made mistakes that have cost us and the people around us dearly, we can look to the Lord who says this, even though you've been foolish, I can still forgive you. 
Even though you have not walked in wisdom, I'm still coming after you. And I'm coming to give my life for those very failures. I'm gonna give my life for those very sins. And then as you give your life to me, I'll give you even more. I'll take my very Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to guide you in wisdom, to point you towards the truth, to help you understand how to follow after me. The Lord wants to lead us in the paths of wisdom. And so he gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. He has forgiven us and he invites us to be trained in wisdom. Not simply to hear the rules, not simply to do what he says, but to literally grow up to see things as he sees things. To understand how to navigate life in a broken world. This is the amazing gift that Proverbs is. And this is what he is offering to us. And so for the course of the next six weeks, we're going to try to do that. We're going to dive into this book and see what we can do to to learn wisdom. So let me give you a couple ways we're going to do that. First off, we're going to read this book completely. As a church, we're going to read the entirety of the book of Proverbs. Starting tomorrow, we're all going to be on a reading plan to go through the entire book. In fact, if you already got it, we had one of these outside, but we've got a reading plan. Uh, It's over here at Connections. You can pick one up as you leave. You might have gotten one last week. Uh, This is also going to be online when you get that announcement at 2 o'clock, waking you up from your nap. You can actually click on that thing, uh, and it's going to say, look, right there, you got the little reading plan, and so it's going to be right there on your phone. We're going to do five Proverbs a week, all right? You can do one a day, five days a week, and for six weeks— We're going to read the entire book. And so you're going to have an opportunity to really go through the entire thing. And you can know this week we're going to be going through, starting tomorrow, uh, Proverbs 1 through 5. If you're on the podcast, listen, download that thing. Uh, You can start with us tomorrow. we got five Proverbs a week before we get back next Sunday. And over the course of the six weeks, we'll do the entire thing. But we're not just going to read it. Uh, We want to read deeply. All right, when it comes to Proverbs, uh, we really want to kind of meditate on these things. If you really want to understand wisdom, if you want to grow in wisdom, you can't just read it for content. you got to think about it. you got to reflect on it. Uh, you cannot really learn wisdom by tweet. You can't. Uh, that, that is not how you learn wisdom. But, but looking at this book, you say, hey, Adam, I don't know if you've noticed this, but these look like tweets. Like, have you seen that? Because they're really short, right? There's these little two-line things. They look like tweets. Yes, they look like tweets, but that's not what they are. See, here's the problem with tweets and social feeds and everything like that. We, you and I, like we said earlier, are swimming in content. Podcasts, news reports, feed, feed, scroll, 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 post, 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 post. And we get thousands of them a day. We drink like from a water hose. We are swimming in this content. And as soon as we read one, we read another one. We barely think about it before we get another one and another one and another one. Scroll, 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 scroll. No reflection not really taking anything in. Okay, this is what we need to do with Proverbs. You don't take these in by the hundred. You take them in by ones and twos. And you sit on it. And you think about it. And you meditate. Because most of the wisdom in Proverbs doesn't come on the first read. It takes a few readings. It takes some deep reading to really understand what this thing is saying. All right? And so look at Proverbs 10.8. Let me show you one real quick. It says, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. You got it? Good? Move along. You, no, no, go back. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. You got it, right? You read it. You understood it. You knew what it meant. But if you sit and think about it, there's more there. Okay, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool comes to ruin. Why? 
Okay, well, the wise of heart will receive commandments. That means they're listening. So wise people listen. Foolish people talk. Talk, 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 Can't get a word in edgewise. You say one thing, they say a thousand. Okay, that person's a fool because they're not listening. They're just talking. Okay, the wise person listens, but then look what they receive. The wise person will receive commandments, not just information, commandments. Well, if you're commanding me, that means you have authority over me. The wise person recognizes they're not in control. The wise person recognizes there's an authority above them. The wise person recognizes they need to listen and obey what is commanded to them by somebody who has the right to command. That's the Lord. Babbling fools, not listening to anybody. They already know. They know everything. They got it all figured out. They're just going to say all this stuff. You see, when you sit and if you think about it, there, there's more here. All right, that's what we got to do with these Proverbs. We're not just going to read them and just read them. Hey, check mark, got it, read them as a chapter, move along. I can tell Adam, I read them. Then when I go to school, we'll go to church this week. No, no, no. What if, what if you just, you got to sit and think on these things. That's different. So on the back of this, we've got a, a different thing to help you with that. Uh, there's a thing here that says aspects. And let's put those questions up on the screen too. Uh, so right on the back of this worship guide, uh, this is actually comes from Steve Layton, our new discipleship pastor. He's used this in multiple churches before. Uh, and this is a, a good practice, not just for the book of Proverbs, but for really uh, any, any part of Scripture. But as you're reading Scripture, you can ask these questions. Is there an application for my life or an attitude I need to adjust? Is there a sin to confess or avoid? Is there a promise to claim, an example to follow or avoid? Is there a command to obey? Is there theology to remember? Is there someone I need to talk to or share with? You see aspects, it's an acronym. And it's just a way for you to kind of think through, how do I process this text? What can I learn from this text? Instead of just reading it and going, read it, move along, you can actually go, okay, let me think this through and ask the Holy Spirit to help me see things I'm not seeing yet. Because I need wisdom. I need to see stuff I'm not seeing. Lord, show me what I am not seeing. And so you can use this pattern, this aspects pattern, to help you, which is why we put it on the back of the reading guide. Here's another resource we have outside. Uh, it's a scripture journal. Uh, a lot of you guys bought these last week. We sold out, so we had to buy more. Um, uh, but here's what it is. This is a little book. They're five bucks out in the front. You don't have to have it, but if you like it, uh, it puts the scripture on one side, and it has a journal on the other. So you can read over here and then write out over here what you're learning. You can write out maybe some of the answers to these questions or, or, or a situation that the Lord brought up. And as you're going through, you've got space here to really kind of go through what the Lord is telling you. And we can do that all together. Like I said, if that's good for you, if that works, maybe you want to try it out. It's five bucks. Right over here, we got a bunch of them. You can grab that as well. But that might be a practice that's going to help you meditate on what is happening here. So we read it completely. We read it uh, deeply. Uh, thirdly, we read it repeatedly. I would encourage you, don't just read the chapter, but actually read it again, and then maybe a third time, or a fourth. Maybe you read, you know, we're only giving you five days. Maybe you want to do seven. Go back and review. Underline the ones that the Lord really brings out. I'm looking at my text right now, and I see different parts of the page that are underlined, because the last time I read it, the Lord showed me different verses. Maybe you want to do that too. you got to read repeatedly, because the Lord can show you some things one time and some things another. The more we read it, the more wisdom we can glean. But here's the final thing. We need to read spiritually. Because the last thing we need to do is to attack this uh, like secular wisdom. Because there's a lot of that out there, by the way. If you want to hack your life, there's all kinds of books that will help you do that. 
And we're all doing that. Oh, give me all the stuff. Atomic habits. I want the stuff. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to man- manage this and do this exercise and intermittent fasting. And I'll do all these things. And I got to plan this, plan that, plan that. And I'm going to stack them all up and do all this thing. And I'm going to hack my life, be more efficient. I'm going to make my life work. All kind of books to help you do that. And I'm sure there's value in, in all of those, but not spiritual value. If you want spiritual wisdom, there's only one place that comes from. It comes from the Lord. And so as we're doing this, we need to be asking the Lord, Lord, would you show me spiritual wisdom? Would you build in me spiritual wisdom? And so finally, look at James 1.5. This is New Testament. Look what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. For all of us walking in Jesus Christ, the Lord wants to give us wisdom. And so ask him, God, make me wise. Not smart, wise. Not knowledgeable, wise. God, show me how to see what you see, to live as you want me to live. Not just with the the, the rules that I know that are clear and plain without exception, but all the ones that aren't clear, that do have exceptions, that that are not specifically addressed. Lord, how do I address this? Lord, give me wisdom that I might walk in you and in your ways, and we will find life. So do this for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes where you're at. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know about you, but whenever I find myself hearing a sermon like this, and I found myself even writing a sermon like this, instead of thinking about all the places I've been wise, I typically just think about all the places I've been foolish and all the places I didn't get it right. And I didn't stop and think longer. I didn't meditate enough. I didn't actually look for the Lord's wisdom. And that can be crushing because it has real consequences. You might right now be dealing with consequences of foolish choices. Your family or your kids might still be dealing with the consequences of foolish choices. And guess what? There's not a person in this room who is not in some sense in that boat. Because we're all foolish. We all make mistakes. None of us has the fullness of God's wisdom. But praise be to God that he'll give it to you. That we can grow. We can become more like him. He can reveal these things. We're not bound to make these these foolish choices forever. We can grow if we'll listen to him. And that's really the choice. Instead of listening to all the content or myself or other people around, what if I chose to listen to the wisdom of the God who made me, the God who made the world, and the God who knows best, the one who loves me, who gave me a spirit, who even now is guiding me, what if I chose to listen to his wisdom and not my own? That's the opportunity for this next week. So even right now, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, can we just offer that to the Lord? It says, God, make me wise. God, give me your wisdom. Not the wisdom of the world. Give me your wisdom that I might walk in you. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful. You don't just have a little checklist, and if we make enough mistakes, you just write us off. Or if the mistake is big enough, you just mark us off and say, no more, you're done. But instead, you forgive us. You don't abandon us. You come to us in our folly, and you offer us salvation and forgiveness and life in you. 
But even more than that, you offer your very own wisdom to know how to live like you want us to live, to find the life that you made us for. So Father, for all of us here, no matter where we are in our walk with you, would you teach us wisdom as we read your word? Open this up by your spirit and change us, help us, challenge us, encourage us. And Lord, we will follow after you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Stand up if you will. You come as the Lord leads you. Let's spend this time in worship and prayer. Let's lift this up to the Lord this morning.